Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to teach you how you can earn buckets of cash investing in mobile homes. And I'm not talking about mobile home parks. I'm talking about mobile homes where you will own the home and the dirt. And I brought on a very special guest today, and he's going to run through one of his examples where he's earning nearly 40% cash on cash return on a mobile home that he purchased on owner financing for $15,000. Two of them, actually, for $15,000. You do not want to miss this episode and everything that you're going to learn that Adrian's about to teach you. Let's get straight to it. This is the W2 Prison Break Show, and I'm your host, Brian O'Neill. My mission through real-life examples is to give you the knowledge, the confidence, the mindset, and the inspiration to break free from your nine-to-five and start the business that you have always known lives inside of you. If that interests you, stick around. Adrian, welcome to the show, man. I'm so excited to have you on, and this is a really cool topic. I can't wait to dive in. Brian, I appreciate you having me here. I'm excited as well. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you who are not watching on YouTube, Adrian's background is pretty awesome. He's standing in front of a mobile home, likely one that he's purchased. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we do, we're going to tell people how to invest in mobile homes. And you're going to talk all about how to do that from really A to Z and some of the opportunities that are out there right now. But before we do that, Let's dive into a little bit about who's Adrian, what you were doing before you got into this. And I think you maybe even had a W-2 at one point. So give us a little bit of history on you if you could. Yeah, my quick story is I grew up in an entrepreneur family, Hmm. like literally right in the middle of a business. So I didn't have to get over the mindset of wanting my own business. But then I went out and had a W-2 at times. I worked at a restaurant for about three weeks. I learned a lot there. One of them is I don't want to work in a restaurant. Then I went and worked at Walmart. I was there about three and a half years, I believe. And honestly, I did enjoy a lot of it. I saw a lot of the bad stereotypes there, but it taught me something very important. Retail ruins holidays. And I didn't have a family. You know, I went to my parents and stuff, but I didn't have kids. And it was a really big lesson that it stayed in my mind. I don't want to work here or any retail when I have a family. Fast forward, I ended up as a tenant, moved out. Actually, I was working at Walmart at the time and a bad tenant. I got evicted multiple times for having parties like a spaghetti wrestling party, mud wrestling party, pudding wrestling party, parking a motorcycle in the living room. And by the way, all this is in Central Florida, Plant cities where I grew up, where the winter strawberry capital world. We got tired of being evicted, my friends and I, because you don't rent to 20-year-old Adrian. And I bought a house. This is back when the banks gave houses away for free. You sign a piece of paper and they gave it to you. And the first one worked out great. I moved my friends in. I divided my mortgage up amongst all my friends, meaning I lived for free. And living for free as a 20-year-old that is not at home is really, really cool. So I said, all right, let's go do this again. The bank said, you know what? You can buy another house, but you're going to lose a little bit every month. Don't worry. Real estate goes straight up. All I understood is the banks. Well, fast forward a few years, I couldn't refinance because we were in that recession. The price was going down. Losing a little bit every month went to a a lot every month because I had an adjustable rate mortgage. I'm the guy they wrote about in the newspapers. Ended up giving the house up, 
as a short sale and ding to my ego, my credit, but really it was a big hit to my integrity. Keep going forward. I bought a few more houses, but that short sale came to the back of my mind years ago. So I've been wrong for a long time thinking this can't keep going, but that's how I found the niche of mobile homes, individual units with the land. And now that's my business. I love buying individual mobile homes with the land and renting them out. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for sharing the background there and being vulnerable that you're a bad tenant. Hey, look, we've all done things in our earlier life that we're not proud of. Same here. So the fact that you can admit that is good on you. But let's talk about mobile homes and debunk some myths first, because I don't think that this niche is really talked about enough. I think everybody's really kind of looking at single family, multifamily, some other types of commercial properties, maybe like storage facilities. And this is just not something that's talked about. So I'm excited to learn. I think the listeners are excited to learn, but they probably have some preconceived notions about mobile home investing. So let's dive into that. Let's debunk some myths and let's educate people. Yeah, let's go with the big elephant in the room where everyone's thinking, especially the people that are watching and see this 1960s that has most of its sighting. Mm-hmm. Everyone has some thought of, it's all trailer trash, Adrian. Why would I invest in it? People always kind of skirt around and try not to say it. Yeah. But the movies have made it funny. Country songs have made it funny. But it's a stereotype. It's not always true. Who lives in most of my properties? It's the blue collar, handy man and handy woman. The electrician, the AC tech, the roofer, the carpenter, the road construction. The handyman that is there and takes pride in their home. That doesn't mean that that's the only person living there. We've got some white collar, straight out of college, IT, working from home, making 75K a year. Wants a nice three-bedroom, two-bath, fenced quarter-acre property. That stereotype is only there if you allow it to be there. You can buy the property, fix it up the right way to attract someone that wants to take pride in their home. What's not always true. That's one of the biggest myths right there. Yeah. And I don't disagree with you. I mean, I grew up in South Florida. Mobile homes were all over the place. And there were some really, really nice mobile home parks. I had plenty of friends who went to my middle school and my high school who they lived in mobile homes. And they were pretty darn nice. So thanks for sharing that. I just don't think enough of us have experience with it. Again, we look at your screen and be like, oh, hey, they all look like that. But <laughs> yep, not true. Okay. Well, let's talk about how one would acquire or what is your marketing look like first and foremost? Like, how do you find deals? How to find a mobile home? This mm-hmm. simple little difference is you change the word house to mobile home. Okay. So no matter what you're doing, if you're going to do mailers, you're going to do Google AdWords, Facebook, signs on the side of the road, MLS, whatever it is, you just change the word house to mobile home. You tell people exactly what you want. Now, how do I find most of my deals, though, because it fits my personality, is I'm a networker. Mm. I love talking to people. So I go to the local meetings around me, the real estate meetings, and I say, I buy mobile homes. I go and talk to realtors, and I say, I buy mobile homes. I won't shut up about it. And after a meeting, a lot of times people are like, Adrian, why would you buy a mobile home? It's all trailer trash. They just go down in value, blah, blah, blah. You're right. Send me all your deals. And as you already alluded to, most people don't understand them. They don't like them. They think poorly of them. Mm-hmm. Other people are a referral source. Stop leaving money on the table is what I tell them. Realtors, 
get paid by the closing price. Mobile homes typically have one less zero. So they're going to do the same amount of work for less money. Usually, and realtors want to help people. So I became an information source to realtors. No matter who it is, I always keep the person in the deal because they did work. They deserve to get paid. And if I pay them, who are they going to come talk to again? Adrian. So referrals are my best, but all of it can work. Okay. And clearly your elevator pitch is, I buy mobile homes, which everyone needs to have. I mean, you got to tell people what it is that you do. And you're clearly known as that person. A couple other myths that we may want to debunk is, it's always confused me, is you have the mobile home itself, and then you have the land. And maybe the owner doesn't own both. Maybe they're separate. So let me talk about that and how you get around those issues. Yeah, this is one of the big confusions because people typically think about one of the three ways to invest in mobile homes. So you can own just the home where you do not own the land underneath it. You essentially own an aluminum box. You pay someone every single month to park it there. That's typically inside of a mobile home park. These can be really good return on your investment. They're the lowest dollar to get into, but you do lose some control because the person that owns the land, they get to make the rules. Now you can own the land in the home. You can own the whole park, that whole big thing. We hear about parks a lot now because they have lots of zeros and they make for a really sexy Instagram post. There's two main ways to run a park. You can own absolutely everything, land homes. You own a flat apartment complex. The other way is you can own just the dirt and people pay to park every month. So you own a big parking lot. And then, of course, you can own a combination of the two. It can still be a really good return on your investment. They have gotten kind of a crowded space these days because of the big hedge funds that got in there years ago. And there's a lot more government regulation because you're multifamily. So you just have to be comfortable with that if you get into that space. I like the middle ground. It's owning a single unit with the dirt. So I get the rental. I get the dirt, all the control. If a hurricane comes, you know, Florida, we have the hurricanes and it wipes out the home. At least I own the dirt now. I like that middle ground. It's a less crowded space because there's not many people that know about it or even go after it. They always think of the big, sexy zeros on the purchase price mobile home park. I like my zeros on the ROI, the return on my investment. Yeah, no, 100%. I like that. Thank you for clarifying that. I've always just associated mobile home with the parks, right? Because that's what gets all the notoriety, not what you just referred to. What's the opportunity? Middle ground, dirt in the building. How do you go about, what are some of the strategies in terms of purchasing? I know you, we already talked about marketing, like how you find these deals, but how do you go about purchasing them? Because it's my understanding that not all of these are lendable with bank financing. I love the ones that are not bank financeable. We were talking a little bit before the show, you know, the creative real estate world. That's to me when we are truly helping the seller, not just saying, here's a cash offer. When we actually ask them why they need to sell, why would you sell a nice property like this? Then we can go and serve them the right way. And then hopefully we're part of the solution. I found in the mobile home space, when we have the older ones, let's say the 1960s and the 1970s, like the one behind me here, there is no bank financing. When I'm talking to them, building the rapport, because that's really important if we're going to try to make payments on it, they eventually, Brian, you say, hey, I want $40,000. And Brian, I could do that on payments. They don't go back to me and say, well, why don't you just go to a bank? They already understand it's not bank financeable. 
A lot of them already bought on owner financing. And they sometimes know more than real estate investors about the topic because they've already been through a transaction. I keep it all real simple. And we get into the 1990s and newer ones. Yes, there is bank financing. So maybe it's a little less room for that creative world, but we're still there solving the problem. That's what I like to do. Sit down, talk to them. How can I be here to help you? Yeah, that's what it's all about. I love that you said, hey, why are you selling this beautiful home? And that's like the first question you ask any seller who's selling their house is like, well, why are you selling? What are you trying to get done? Versus you leading with with price. When you do mm-hmm. that, then that's where you always are. It is on price. I'm glad you clarified that. All right, maybe for the listeners, maybe walk us through a deal that you've done, like start to finish, like how you found it, how you purchased it. Just talk about maybe some of the opportunities with what you did with it. What was your exit strategy and some of the opportunities with returns? Yeah, I want to walk to two separate ones because I like to split up mobile homes in kind of two classes of the 1960s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So the structure is not as strong there. There's not the financing availability. And then like the 1990s and newer and the 80s kind of fall in the middle. They're a blur between the two. Perfect. So let's first just talk about something in the 1960s and 70s. Uh, well, you know, let's just talk about the one behind me. Yeah. I got this in a coupon book ad. I had a, a little flip coupon book, the Great American Coupon Book. It had a hug coupon always in it. And I put my ad in there and got zero calls for a long time. And then I got a call. And he told me a little bit about it. And I'll be honest, I was scared of the property from what he was telling me. And he eventually just kept calling. So I'm like, all right, well, there's motivation here. Mm-hmm. I went there for the purpose of practicing something I learned in a course. I go there, we build rapport. This picture behind me, it was actually about chest high and weeds and overgrown. So we had to cut it down to even get this picture. I go inside and the roof is actually not leaking. So that's super important in these older ones, because if the roof is leaking, they pretty much just melt if it's been like that for a long time. And we're talking and eventually he brings up price and he says he needs $15,000. And this is for actually two of them, $15,000. And here's why I went there to practice. My reply was I could do the $15,000 on payments and have that really way longer than that awkward silence. Yeah, And it's really hard for me to be quiet. Well, he didn't immediately say no. He said, what would that look like? Mm. I was like, it works. What I learned in class worked. So the long story short here, I'll speed it up, is I ended up buying this from him, two of them, for $15,000 for the two. And it was $1,000 down, $100 a month until paid. Now, you're judging a book by its cover. Yes, I had to put a lot of money in it. I think we put about... Thirteen to fifteen thousand dollars each property into the property. So let's just say we have uh, twenty thousand dollars into each unit between closing costs, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it was rented for seven hundred dollars a month. You don't need to pull your calculator out to be like, that's a pretty good return. If I have twenty thousand in it, I'm getting seven hundred a month. That's very good. And that's something that no one else wanted to deal with. I yeah. took the opportunity to go out there, talk to them, build that rapport, and. He said, yes. I found out later the neighbors tried to buy it. The neighbors were not very nice to him. And I think that my rapport building, I being the nice guy, won this time. And I went there and I genuinely cared. And the other surprising thing is he's an experienced investor. Because a lot of people are like, well, no, no one would ever do the $1,000 down, no interest. The title company knew him by first name. Wow. But he's in his 70s. 
he had moved on to having a cafe that became his passion. So he's up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. running the cafe, cooking and everything. And he was the old school investor that did all the work himself. Uh, that's why it sat for years without being anything done to it. And I went in and truly cared about him. Any questions it. there before I move to a newer property so that people can get some ideas I, there? I want to break this down a little bit more because yeah. this is really great. And, you know, I bought several properties on creative financing. So number one, you asked the question, didn't speak. Super important. Like you wait until, I mean, it doesn't make any difference how long it takes. You do not say another word. I, I used to teach my students all the time, like ask the question and shut up. So good job there. So if I'm doing my math correctly, he's taking $100 a month for 140 months because you're paying off the 14 grand zero interest. So you have a super long time. He owns these things without debt. I assume you have the deed to both properties. Correct. Yep. And then you calculated your ROI on the 40,000 because that was the actual cash that you put up. You didn't put up 15,000. You put up a thousand plus the rehab and both of them are renting for $700 a month. Correct? Correct. All right. So if I do quick math, which I cheated on my calculator, you're at about 17 to 18% cash on cash return, which if you can get that, you do it all day long and any day that yeah. ends why, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And remember, rents have gone up and my mortgage hasn't. Yes, correct. So they are. Correct. I, I don't even remember what they're renting at now. And I think one is at 740 because I've only had one person there. This one here, there's only been the one person for years and years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do want to buy it from us. And we will owner finance it. I don't talk a ton about that, but they're good people. They're taking care of their property. Actually, they've done work for us on other properties. Sure. And they asked about buying it. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it for them. You know, I'll make some more money on interest. Now I'm going to make a spread. So we can keep getting all these tools at Creative Financing can keep going with the property. People don't always realize there's a deal after the deal that keeps going. Always, always a deal after the deal. Okay, good. So you're renting each unit for $700 each, not both. So it's not- Oh, correct. Yes. Okay. So so the return's much higher. I miscalculated the return. Yeah. Much higher than that. Okay. Sorry, guys. So yeah, it's 1400 against the 40 grand that you put up. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's huge. Awesome. Okay. Go with your next example, please, that you wanted to share. Let's talk about a newer property where there's more land value. So this one here, the dirt's going to be worth about the same when I die as when I bought it. It's yeah. not going to go up in value a lot. And that's what I use when I grew is properties like this one here. I need a high return on my investments because I want to grow fast. Today, I value a little less headache. I want a little more. I call them my lotto tickets when the dirt is in the path of progress. Let's talk about one. I got it through my website. I don't put a ton of money into my website, but it has been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's getting some of that organic growth. And I got the call. We go over there and see the property. And we were not the first to see it. And I don't normally go over there. If they're having a bunch of investors coming because I just don't enjoy that world. But I'm glad we did it this time because probably was a wholesaler said, you have to be out in three days and like really stress this lady out. And she was actually crying there. And we're like, look, you can move out whenever you want. And that was the big deal for her. She'd been there for 20 years. Her husband had passed away there and she had never sold a property in her life. So we had the agreement. She stayed two weeks after closing. I'm comfortable with that. My title companies take some money back in escrow enough to make it painful if they really try not to leave. So that was how we were solving that problem. The numbers is a three bedroom, 
two bath, 1.25 acres of land, about two tenths of a mile from a brand new Dollar General. Mm. So I like that because that means there's the growth there. I already know some of the zoning in the area because it's my area. So I know it's in the path of progress, but I'm not going to buy without cash flow because I'm a cash flow investor. We pay, we'll round up to $148,000. It was just a little underneath that. We both pay our own closing costs because unlike a lot of investors, I don't volunteer that. If you want to negotiate it out of me, cool. I don't volunteer it. And half the time, they don't ever ask for it. And we still use my title company because they always ask, well, where do we close? And the ladies down there take great care of us. We have $148,000 in it. We hold back $10,000. Did you pay cash for that? Like, oh, you great question. No, I had private money. Private money. Some private money. A friend already had lent to me before, so I had proven track record. He quickly looks at the numbers. And honestly, I don't remember exactly. I want to say it's 120000 is what we borrowed from him. Mm-hmm. Why did I have that number? I remember I had some cash. And if it just sits there in the bank, it doesn't do anything. And I'm not afraid to put some of my cash in my deals. I do pay my own cash sometimes, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it just depends on what I have. Three years from now, I have no idea what I would have raised for that property. So then we put some money in it. This is going to be a higher end rental. So it's going to be a little above the affordable housing space, looking at $2,000 a month for this property. I knew I had to put a little bit more into it. We put about $15,000 dollars of work into it, uh, new skirting, painted and textured the property. Not my typical property because I like something in a little bit more on the working class, yep. partially because I like a recession resistant end product because I think that that's what is going to be in demand coming up. It's already in demand. I know you're kind of running the numbers. So you're probably going to tell me what my return is because I've got out my computer somewhere. Yep. We're renting it for $2,000 a month. And why do people pay that much for a mobile home? It's a 1999. Well, a lot of people don't realize is, yeah, that's about the going rate for a three-bedroom, two-bath. But in a normal community, they don't get 1.25 acres fenced with a shed and a workshop. And there's a lot of people that value that over living in an HOA neighborhood, like the people that moved in that have a lawn maintenance business. So now he can pull his trailers there and not get in trouble by the HOA. He mm-hmm. has the workshop to go and work on his stuff. He has his dogs that he wants to be in a fenced yard. So there's a lot of value in that land. He's not thinking of it as, oh, I'm renting acre and a quarter for X price and a home for X price. Yeah. They're seeing the whole package. And I have found that those people also stay for a longer time because they don't have as many options. And I just relate to that person a little bit more. I grew up on two and a half acres and then with animals and everything. So I just have a relationship, can understand them a lot better. Yeah. So important. You know your seller and you know your buyer really well. You know what they want and you are delivering that product to them, right? Exactly. And you just said it. So few people catch that. I know my buyer, my resident that's going to live there. I know what they want and I go shopping for them. Yeah. Versus a lot of investors just go shopping for a property and then hope that their ideal person that's going to live there will like it. I go shopping for the person I want to live in my properties. Exactly. I think probably 95% of investors don't do that. They're just like, let's go grab this deal and then we'll see if we can just shove somebody in there. Hopefully that will pay us what we want so we can earn a return. All right. I'm curious on the great example I'm curious on the private money, if you're able to share that. If not, 
totally get it. But how did you set that up? What type of return does your lender get? That one, I believe, is an 8% five-year balloon. Now, balloons are super dangerous. I think there's two dangerous things about debt. One of them is a balloon. The other one is a payment going out without a payment coming in. Yeah. Why am I comfortable with doing this balloon? One, I space them out so I don't have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year coming that I have to pay off. Mm -hmm. The debt service can afford more. So when the balloon comes up and he says, look, I want 10% now. I have the spread in there. I just make a little bit less. I can afford to pay out more. Right. And the other thing is the property's worth about 225, 250. Mm -hmm. So he has great LTV and he's protected. If the market comes down, like it happened to me on my second property, I still have room to replace the debt. And as I go on and I prove myself more and more and more, and I have more track record, and then I'll have five years of hopefully only one resident there, and yep. it's only been one right now, that is a more attractive to replace the debt with another human being that wants just to put their money at work because, well, now it's melting it at inflation. Yes. So I have debt lower than that. I have debt higher than that. It's about the cash flow mm. for me. Yeah. Which is, okay, again, 8% a year on 120 grand is $800 a month is what you're paying this person. Yep. And you said you're getting two grand from the tenant that you place in the home. I assume you have costs like taxes and other stuff, which, so you're probably clearing a good penny on this every single month, which is great. Awesome cash flow. The first deal is much better on cash flow, obviously, but this is still an awesome deal. And yeah. again, you have minimal money out of your pocket. Well, on the balloon, is this something you could get bank debt on if you had to? Yes, I could go to a bank if I wanted to. Personally, I like humans over banks, even when it costs me a little bit more money, because I get a little bit more fulfillment by writing a check to someone. I know their story. I know where the money's going to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do much when I just go to Bank of America's stock ticker symbol yeah. for me. So, But yes, I could go get bank financing on this one. Good. That's, again, another exit strategy because you said the balloons can be scary. How do you find your private money lenders? I talk about what I do. I talk about it. How did I get my first private money? That's yeah. always the scariest one. It's in a mastermind. It's a coaching and mastermind mix. And my coach was kind of coaching me on, well, you're probably going to need to get private money on these things because I'd use up all my cash on mm -hmm. the first deal. So he was also coaching someone else in the group to start lending money. So it was a little bit easier, we'll say, but we were both nervous. What I really learned about it is in a mastermind group, you go there and just open up freely. It's a closed room and you tell all your good, bad, and ugly. Well, when you actually tell the things that aren't going right and the person knows all of that, they're now not scared to lend you money because they know it. When you look this perfect image, they know that's a lie because no one's, everything's going perfect in their life. Yep. So being open and giving an opportunity to people. So at 8%, I'm giving people an opportunity to make more than the bank is paying them right now at 5%. They can make 2%, 3% more. That's oh. a big part of it. And there's other people lend to me less than they make in their real estate business because they wanted diversification. I've done the same. I lend out some because I want diversification without having to do the work of getting another asset class. 
Yeah. I love the private money topic. Right now, because we're going into a recession or we're in it or whatever we find out a new definition, you already know this, that people that don't learn this topic are going to get left behind. And it's also a great way to start putting money to work and learning about real estate while still at their job. And then you get to question a little bit more. You get to see the paperwork. That's how actually I got some of my paperwork. I already lent some money out. And then I'm like, oh, I got all his paperwork. I didn't have to pay for this. I got to ask all these questions. I got a free lesson. Awesome. No, that's good. Tell people what you do is a lesson. I mean, if you don't tell yeah. people what you do, how do you expect to get any deals? I mean, that's one of the first questions that people I get asked all the time. And the listeners of shows, how do I find money for real estate deals? And you answered it like you've been asked it a million times. And that's the truth. You got to tell people what you do. I buy mobile homes. I buy single family properties. I buy apartment buildings, whatever it is. I mean, I had a guy on my show that teaches people how to raise private capital. He says, you have to have that thing, that pitch, whether it's, you know, I collect houses or I've just bought a beach or something to draw people in. Because inevitably, when you say that to enough people, people are just going to, well, whatever, they're not going to draw you in, but some will. They'll be like, well, tell me more about that. And then you get to yeah. talk to them like you talk to me and that ultimately can become a lender for you. And I'm going to add something else to that, uh, which you made me think of. So my first private money, without getting all the details at the time, it was a performance-based. He got paid based on the performance of the property. I paid him off with a penalty because I paid him off earlier. We did the math. He made 17.5% on his money by being a lender, which I think everyone would jump at. I would take that side of the deal. I arguably had the better side because I had $500 in the deal and I was making $225 a month. We both had a great deal. But now I get to talk about how I used to pay 17.5%. Why don't do that anymore? Because I have a good track record, but that gets people's attention. Like you said, I buy beaches or I bought a beach and I was like, huh? That sounds interesting. It gets people's attention. And well, I don't pay that anymore because I have a proven track record and everything now. But that was a big learning lesson for me. And of course, who wants to give me more money? He does. Right. He's always asking me. Totally. And people will gladly take eight, nine, 10%. Because again, they're not getting that anywhere else. And then they don't have to do anything. It's like they don't have to put any work into it. It's truly one of the more passive investments that you can make because you're just loaning someone that you trust money. And you're just getting the checks every month without having to do all the landlording. You teach people how to do this. Oh, yeah. You teach people how to do this. So talk about how you teach it, who you just, however you want to go there. Because I definitely want to recognize the fact that this is stuff that you help people with. And a lot of people listening be like, hey, I want to learn more about this. This sounds pretty cool. And I had it all wrong. So let's tell them how they can learn. Well, whenever I started down the path of the mobile home investing I had talked to some people about it that had been doing it, but no one was really out there teaching it. And then I found my success in it. And I'm a louder personality, as you could kind of tell. And I talk about what I do. And a lot of the mobile home investors don't. So locally, I got asked to speak some. And I got over the fear of physically shaking when I was teaching in front of my RIA group. That's when I learned I really love helping, especially helping people get the lifestyle that I have. My mentors helped me. And it's almost an obligation for me to help do the same, but I just truly love it. I wake up thinking about it and the niche of mobile homes, the single unit with the land, there's really no one out there teaching it. So I found, all right, I'll teach it. I'll be the one uh, out there teaching it. So, and then I end up writing a book on it. So then people can get it that way. And I teach from my experiences, failures and successes, and I keep it fun. This is a 
passion business that I wake up excited about teaching. It's mainly online courses. I teach every few years in person, Mm -hmm. which I love in person, but you know, our world, it's not always the easiest and it's a lot more work there and business has to be fun. The education for me has to be fun or I don't do it. I love it. I love it. And for everybody listening, I mean, that's the whole point of the show is for you to start a passion-based business. Adrian's clearly passionate about it. I mean, he can't even sit still here. He's jumping all over the place. So you can tell he loves it, which is great. We're all trying to find that. Now you're teaching it. So now you're doing what you love and you're teaching what you love. And that's just like, that's just the perfect intersection of life, in my opinion. So how do we learn more? I think you have a free gift for the listeners today. So where would you direct them to, to get started? And then we could talk about your website and all that good stuff. Yeah, the way to get started is to get some education and then go take action on it. Have Mm -hmm. someone to get help from because you're going to fail. Every single person fails. I still fail. I know because you're successful, you still fail. But the key is we get up and ask for help. That's the biggest way to get started. I have a free 14 myths debunked. So we went over a few of them today. You got to get through the mindset so that you can accept that mobile homes are a great investment. And easiest way to get that is go to lifestyle-rei.com slash W2 prison break. And I'm sure you're going to have it in the show notes and everything there and get that PDF, change your mindset with it so that you can go and be successful as well. Definitely. I love it. Be sure to grab that guys. And this is something that has always been interesting to me. And you've given me a lot of things to think about. I know the listeners are thinking about how they might be able to get into this. I love the fact that you said it's not really a crowded space. And a lot of people are just overlooking it because they're going for, you know, the HGTV stuff. And that's what looks cool, right? But I mean, I'm looking at some of these returns and I'm like, goodness gracious, this is a huge opportunity. So folks, grab that free download and go to Adrian's website and start thinking about this as what do they say? Go against the herd. Go where others are not going. What's the opportunity in terms of, I know you're in Florida, there's a lot of mobile homes in Florida, but what about some of the other other areas in this country? I mean, I live in Illinois, they're here for sure, but is this pretty much an anywhere type of situation or is it certain segments of the United States? They're pretty much all over the U.S. When I was in Hawaii, I think I saw one. So there's not that many there because yep. obviously shipping costs, mm-hmm. but they're in Alaska. So if they can withstand Alaska winter, they can withstand anywhere because they're not always the most efficient. So they are all over the whole U.S. I will tell you that they're more commonly outside of the metro areas. Yep. So you just get right outside in the suburbs, a little more rural area. That's what I like better. One of the reasons is cities don't love them as much because they like tax dollars and they get more tax dollars off a really tall building than what they call as an old junky trailer which I like because that means my property tax bill is much lower. Start looking on the outside. A quick way that I always just tell people, because everyone has access to Zillow, go to Zillow, go into your preferences there and uncheck everything except for manufactured, and then put a minimum land if you're looking for the home and land, and just go to recent sold. And you're going to see how many all over the place. That helps open your eyes up to be like, oh, wow, there's a few thousand missed opportunities here. I just need a handful of them. That's the way I look at it. Great nugget. I love that. You're going to take any action, guys. Uh, grab the PDF, but that right there is gold. So most people don't know that you can do that on Zillow. 
As we wrap up here, I could talk about this all day, honestly, but we got to let people get back to their days. This has been tremendous. Any final thoughts that you want to share, Adrian? Anything that I didn't ask you that you feel is important before we close it out here? I mean, the biggest thing I just want to inspire people to do, we've already talked about, is it takes some action. You can learn a ton on your podcast every single episode. And there's a nugget in every episode that you should take and immediately put to work. You could utilize on the marketing we talked about here with other asset classes. Obviously, I like mobile homes better, but you can learn something from every episode and put it to work because then that compounds. And before you know it, a year later, you're pretty far along your journey to quitting your job versus waiting till everything's right and perfect to quit. So it's tiny little momentum starters. Yep. And by the way, it's never going to be perfect time to quit your job. There yes. Is, there yes. is Thank no you. perfect timing. You just got to get out there and take the action. Okay. Awesome way to end it. Adrian, this has been really educational for me personally. And I know a lot of the listeners as well, because again, this is something I get asked about all the time. So I'm glad we found each other. Everyone take the action. Adrian, thanks for being on. Make it a great day. Thank you. Okay, that was awesome. You got so many nuggets from there, especially at the end. You guys got to take action. All the knowledge in the world is completely useless if you do not take action. Download the free PDF. Look at some of his courses. He gave you some opportunities to purchase mobile homes, how you can find them. The coupon book thing was just simply amazing. Find out who your buyer is, understand the profile of your buyer, and then go deliver the product to them. The product being the mobile home in Adrian's case. Just a great episode. So many good nuggets and takeaways. And this is something that can really help you guys bust out of your W-2. Thanks for tuning in. If you found that this episode was helpful, share it with somebody. And I'll see you next week.